Hey, hey, Cassandra, we're uh, we're about to record. You should sit down. Norman. Get... Y- yes. What do your elf eyes see? Uh, um, our our mics. No, no, you're supposed to say they're taking the podcast to Isengard. We, we've 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 been there all, several times yeah, but already. No, like for reals this time. <laughs> what do you, what do you what do you mean for reals this time? Well, you know the trees and the orcs and the 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 wizard and we're we're taking the podcast. To Isengard. Will there be stupid fat hobbits? Yes. Okay, I'm in. Oh, okay. That was easy. <laughs> I was. I had this whole sales pitch that you know there's potatoes and you, you know, gotta boil them, <laughs> mash them, <laughs> stick them in a stew. There, there were also gonna be you know some crunchable horses. Um, we're back. <laughs> With season two, our yes. continuing coverage of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. This time we're talking about Two Towers. Join us on Dueling Genre every Monday through Friday to talk about Lord of the Rings one minute at a time. We're from Lord of the Rings Minute. Leave now and And never come back. No, please come back. (laughs) Dueling Genre. Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're talking about Kenji Koiso, Natsuki Shinohara, and Granny from the 2009 film Summer Wars. And right off the bat, before I even introduce our guests, I just want to apologize for our ignorance and how some of these pronunciations are, and our inability to get through some of these. That is just our, our struggles with uh, with these uh, some of these Japanese characters' names. Um, we will that, try our best. That, yeah, yeah. That, that they're not going to trip off our tongues quite as as easily as names we're more familiar with. But that is on us. Uh, so helping with the discussion is once again returning guest John Dorowski. Aloha. <laughs> How does that work as a greeting? <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right. And producer Andrew will be jumping in on this conversation. I will. Yes. Uh, and as we noted, we're going to be talking about. Summer Wars, which is the story of a boy... Okay. It, it's the story so, of multiple genres coming together in one story. So there's, I, it's, I will give there's you the, family, romance, and technological AI Existentialism. Yeah. 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 So I will give you the description uh, that the director and writer came up with when they were getting the idea of it. They wanted to create a story about a social network and a stranger's connection with a strange family. Yes, and if you blend um, a little bit of While You Were Sleeping and Ready Player One and War Games all together, I think you land on a sense of what this story is going to be. But it also is not anything that you're imagining after that (laughs) description. Yeah, it also has less in common with any previous anime or manga that we've talked about um, than they have had to each other. You know, like, this is an anime film. It is not like the other anime that we've talked about. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so this is a text that I was not familiar with until uh, you asked that we do this. And I know I, I know you've mentioned it a few times. Yeah, we Andrew, talked about this one. But yeah. I'd never seen both it Andrew, until... Both Andrew and I have kind of been pushing for this to be, yeah. come up on the podcast. Um, I had not watched it until this week in preparation for this recording. So why don't you share how you came to this film a little bit? I enjoy anime as a medium and frequently browse to see new releases and such. And uh, so I saw this 
as a new release. Uh, I think that a Best Buy, they have a small anime section. Each store is a little different. But uh, it looked interesting. I picked it up. And I watched it, and one of my first thoughts was, I need to share this with Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I remember borrowing it from you and, and getting it. So this is something that anime on DVD did really, really well in the early 2000s is cross-promotion. Um, they always had a, a tab in the uh, in the menu for upcoming releases or other series. And that is, I think, before you know the massive internet age and before no. internet streaming... That was how people were learning about well, these other options and, and browsing the browsing the, the small section. The all shelf. DVDs had trailers. Yeah, um, and but anime ones seem to have a lot of trailers. Yes. Um, you know they were really trying to say you know like look keep the industry going. <laughs> you know we want you to engage with other stuff, and so you would see series and films and and all those kinds of things. Um, so I feel like I had seen it as a trailer, and then um, and then saw it you know around that same time. Um, but it's definitely a text that you've been saying we need to cover, and I'm just like, okay, yeah. well, we'll put this it in the is, hopper, and this when, is, when we get to it, you know, one of my one of my favorites. Um, so on on my DVD shelf, there is an All Star section, and this is in my All Star section. The things that I actually kept the boxes for. So it's, it's like your personal, uh, you know, back in the day at, at Blockbuster, where he's like Jacob recommends or yeah. Samantha recommends. This is your. Yeah, and these so, are my recommendations. So, so right my here. wife and I, you know, got rid of most of the boxes for our DVDs and put things into into you know the the disc collector thing. And then we said we have to have an all star shelf of the things that we keep the boxes for and we keep up there. And this was one of those. Well, so Judge John Hodgman has talked about this that a collection is curated, mm-hmm. and for him, I think a part of the curate being curated is it's on display. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's a hoard. <laughs> yeah, and so... So you have your DVD hoard, and then you have your DVD collection on the shelf. But the hoard takes up much less space. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we have the, the collection, which just includes things that we would feel are, you know, a 9 or 10 out of 10. You know, these hit us emotionally. These are really satisfying. They're going to be in the rewatch pile a yeah, lot more. Yeah, I mean, um, Spider-Verse is in there. A couple of the Marvel films are in there. Um, my wife really loves Black Panther, so that's in there. You know, so we've got... A few things that are, you know, it's probably less than 15 um, total boxes um, that are in this this all-star shelf. But Summer Wars is there. Well, I'm glad that you recommended it because I did enjoy watching it. And anime is one of those where basically what we've talked about on this podcast is my exposure to anime outside of one or two other series. Yeah, you have not had a lot that isn't for the podcast. Which is really interesting because uh, Jeff and I... Similar ages, growing up reading comic books. We had a lot of overlap in our interests. Yeah. But somehow we completely diverged on anime. Yep. <laughs> uh, and I've generally enjoyed the stuff that we've covered for manga and anime. Um, just haven't haven't done the, the deep dive or... Uh, I, part of it, there's, there's just too much. <laughs> there's too yeah. much out there. To... And with streaming access, it's very daunting. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I, I really did enjoy this film, and I'm glad it's one that we're going to cover. Um, John, because this is something that you um, were more familiar with, you tackled a lot of the trivia, so why don't you share yes. that? Yes. So this was directed by Mamoru Hosoda, uh, and written by Sotoko Okudera. Uh, they worked together on a couple of other films, uh, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, which came before this, and then the follow-up work is called Wolf Children. Uh, Mamoru Hosoda his first feature film was Digimon the movie. That he worked on or as a director? As a director. Okay. He directed that. Uh, Which, he, that actually makes a lot of sense with this film, <laughs> if you are familiar with what happened to Digimon the movie. Yeah. There's so, actually a, a fair bit of crossover. I will say that um, he got inspired to 
get into to want to be in it, uh, work in anime after watching the Castle of Cagliostro, which was Miyazaki's first directorial work. And so, of course, his dream job was to work in Studio Ghibli. Uh, someone at Studio Ghibli saw a Digimon movie and was impressed, and <laughs> said, let's hire this guy. And they hired him as the director for Howl's Moving Castle. Now, if you are familiar with Studio Ghibli, he did not direct Howl's Moving Castle. That went back to Miyazaki. He had a, some creative differences uh, and left, uh, which was probably hard for him, as this was his dream. But uh, he wanted to do his own stuff. Uh, while he was getting that up, he did direct a One Piece animated film, uh, which I don't believe has been dubbed in English yet. Uh, they haven't dubbed a lot, of, a lot of the early ones, and that gets to the vagaries of the industry. Uh, but after that, he went and directed The Girl Who Leapt Through Time and then Summer Wars, um, both of which were garnering a lot of prizes, a lot of attention. So after that, he set up his own studio, Studio Chizu. Uh, and has since directed Wolf Children, The Beast and the Boy, and Mireille. So all of his non-franchise films, so not Digimon or One Piece, have won the Japan Academy Prize for Animation of the Year, basically the Academy Award of Animation for Japan. That's not a bad streak. That's, yeah. Yeah, to get that for all of them, you said? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so all of his uh, five independent films, his, uh, he was nominated for an Annie Award, which is the American animation industry, mm -hmm. as Best Director for Summer Wars. And that made him only the third Japanese individual to be Ooh. nominated, just nominated for an Annie. So I assume that's alongside Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Mm -hmm. is, it, is the other one going to be Shinkai? Uh, the other one's not a director. Oh, okay. So any guesses on the second one? I, I got yeah, none. It's uh, Joe Hishashi. Oh, the, the, the musician. Co composer for all of Miyazaki's films. Okay. okay. So... Good group to be with there. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's in some good company. Uh, Mireille was also nominated for, his most recent one was nominated for Best Animated Feature at the 2019 Academy Awards. Um, did not win. And did not win. Well, it was up against Spider-Verse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tough competition that year. Uh, and Spider-Verse definitely deserved the win. Uh, and I will also say that because Mireille is excellent. It is not a masterpiece, but is on the way to creating he's, a masterpiece. I, I'm sure he's going to get the right one the right year, yeah. and I think he'll win the, uh, the Academy Award yeah, for so, it. Um, there's been a lot of talk about who's the next Miyazaki, because Miyazaki's been in and out of retirement for the last 20 years, <laughs> including recently coming back out of back retirement out. to do another film in the next year or two. Yeah. Um, so let me get this out of the way. There's not going to be another Miyazaki. He is unique and singular. But if you like Miyazaki films, uh, Husoda is the next director I would recommend mm -hmm. uh, as in terms of quality. Uh, there's been a lot of talk around Makoto Shinkei for his very popular films, Your Name and Weathering With You, which don't work quite as well for me story-wise. The, the art on those is pretty fantastic. Though. It is, but that's also a sign the studio was pouring a lot of money into it, not mm -hmm. necessarily quality of the actual story. Right. Um, I think you could also keep an eye on Studio Ponok, which is a new studio. They did um, Mary and the Witch's Flower, which had Miyazaki's thumbprints all over it. Yeah, it, all over it, it. looks it was like the, the, guy who, the guy who directed it had worked at Studio Ghibli for 20 years. But that's a studio that, uh, if they start getting going and putting out uh, more films, may be the same quality mm -hmm. as Studio Ghibli. But in terms of directors to keep your eye on, this is the guy... And probably the next 10 years, he, if he keeps on track, he will create a classic. Yeah. 
I'm going to take your word for all of this. <laughs> yeah, Joseph has not had exposure to any of the other films that we talked about. Yes. Well, I, I will say Murray should be a contender to come on the podcast at some point. Okay. I could not finish watching Murray because it's about a child as their younger sibling arrives at home. And no. John lent it to me like the same week that no, my youngest just, child came not, home. Not just a young child. It's a toddler. Yeah. Like two or three. And his baby sister comes, with... comes home. Uh, and, and there's a lot of conflict. I, I was like, I can't, I can't do this and right I, now. Yeah, so this was the same time Andrew had a toddler about one and a half, a new baby come home, mm-hmm. and I, I lent it to him because I know that they like anime and like this director. Mm-hmm. But I warned them before, and I'm like, this is going to be too real. And there are moments from this <laughs> I got where you know the director has gone through this life experience because there are things that are so specific about raising your children that's going to be a little too close to you. And I got halfway through. <laughs> I can't watch this right now. <laughs> I, I will watch this later someday. Yeah, I, I had that experience with uh, a bunch of comic books when my first child was born, and I read like three issues in a row that had newborn children in peril. I'm like, nope, can't, can't, can't finish that one. Pick up the next one. What is going on with the comics this week? <laughs> the, the stack that I had. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you for that trivia, John. And before we move on to the summary, listeners, we want to thank you for downloading this episode, and we especially want to thank you, those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com/protagonists and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers, and give monthly updates on our fantasy box office. All patrons who support us with five dollars per month or more get to choose a topic for us. To discuss. And Andrew, you have the summary for this episode. I do. So to start out, we have a little bit of world building. They do it kind of in a montage at the beginning of the film, um, but it's really necessary to have this established for the rest of the film to track at all. Um, so Oz is the ultimate evolution of social media and all other technology accounts. Everyone's accounts link through Oz. So all of your business stuff, gaming, filing taxes, Amazon, social media, it all kind of runs through Oz. So you kind of have the internet um, contained in one place. Um, it's convenient, it's secure, thanks to advanced security, and it does real-time Google Translate for everybody. So everyone's chatting with each other, and, and they're getting automatically translated. Um, so it is a, a full global community. Um, it's also really big on esports, so so playing you know video games online uh, is a huge element. So throughout the movie, Oz is going to be depicted as this massive white void, this virtual world with um, profile avatars interacting. Um, and this is to basically just have a place for all of this stuff to all this action to take place as in the real world, it's just people on their phones or, you know, on a, on a gaming console or on their computer. And so you have this big white void and that's where Oz um, happens. If you've um, read or seen the film adaptation of ready player one, it's very much like the, the, uh, the Oasis, the Oasis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one of the things that came up in looking at trivia is a lot of people commented that Oz felt like Nintendo. Mm-hmm. So, the avatars, kind of like your Mies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, the white but they, but they do the make... white void. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that feeling. Not, yeah. It does, is not Nintendo, but that f- yeah. the feeling that Nintendo Yeah, makes. like mm-hmm. Andrew said, they make clear, like, this is also where, like, all business transactions are happening. Like, companies have their business offices Yeah, cy- cyber commuting and, yeah. and all that stuff. Um, and so, and at the center of all of this is the, the main admin building. Um, so, there is, like, an administrative section that you have to have um, access to. So uh, then we meet, we're going to start meeting characters now. So bear with me with the names. Uh, Kenji and Sakuma are high school students who work as low-level code maintenance checkers for Oz. Kenji is also the first runner-up for representing Japan in the Math Olympics. 
Uh, a high school friend of theirs, Natsuki, hires Kenji to do a summer job for her. He has to come help out during a family vacation, reunion, birthday party um, combination activity uh, for her great-grandma. So they head out to Natsuki's family home, which is an old samurai estate in the countryside. So when we were talking samurai estate, large fields, big On the hilltop. Big it's, it's a fences. Japanese castle, essentially. Yeah. Um, and... So when they arrive, Kenji starts meeting many, many of the members of, of the Jinuichi family. That's the, the family name, Jinuichi. And um, so she, Natsuki introduces him to Granny as her fiancé, which he was not expecting. Um, and she made this plan to bring a fake fiancé as a ploy to keep her Granny alive. The, the, the whole premise was, you can't die until you meet my awesome boyfriend. And so she had to hire Kenji to be her awesome boyfriend or fiance, as she lays it out. We should say this is Granny's 90th birthday that yeah. everyone's gathering for. Yeah, so it's Natsuki's great grandma. The whole clan. Yeah, everyone descended from her um, and her husband is is part of this. Uh, uh, I do want to say, uh, perhaps the most awkward moment when I felt so bad for, for Kenji is when he's being, uh, he, he's first coming into the house and he greets uh, the wrong woman as having her 90th birthday. Yes, he he, he greets Granny's daughter. Yes, uh, he says happy happy 90th, and she's like, oh, <laughs> it's it's my mother's. Birthday. Um, but Kenji agrees ultimately to stay and stick to the lie until they leave the family gathering. Uh, Natsuki creates Natsuki creates a fake background story fall for him while they are there, and that night at a family dinner, Kenji meets even more of the family. Um, and they, they lay out, you know, who they are. And this includes doctors, a squid fisherman, police officer, um, an officer in the Japan Armed Forces. He's got like a full chart. Yeah, yeah, they have a, a family tree um, <laughs> laid out and they, they lay out all these people and it's intimidating. I'm a lot of emergency responders. And so after dinner, um, things are winding down and another family arrives and his name is Wabiske. And he, there's some tension when Wabiske gets He is gets the there. black sheep. <laughs> yes. He is an illegitimate son of Granny's husband, and after the patriarch's death, Wabiske was adopted and raised by Granny. Wabiske is about the age of his adopted siblings' kids, so he's kind of a generation down in the in the total hierarchy. Granny's husband had this child in his old age. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. The timeline of that, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> so, so it was uh, a a an affair with a much younger woman. Um, okay. Um, Wabiske is not welcomed by the family, except for Natsuki. She has fond memories of him and, and spends time with him playing games in the evening. Um, a game called Hanafuda, which I don't really know how the game works, but they say koi koi a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and there's some sort of wagers involved. So kind of like in James Bond, he always plays Baccarat, and no one knows what Baccarat is. That's the same thing here. Yeah. And so the game, his, no one knows what it I'm is. Sure this is a real, I'm sure this is a real game, and people in Japan are probably really familiar with it, but you make wagers, and you say koi koi when... <laughs> You do something. Well, it's like um, there's the movie Invictus where it's like, I wish they'd explain the rules of rugby uh, at some point in this, but it, the tension all still worked. Or in Knives Out, they play the game Go. It's like, I wish they explained the rules of this at any point, but it all still works out. It's a similar thing. Or even uh, Crazy Rich Asians has a, a big finale uh, scene where they're playing Mahjong, and I just realized the Mahjong I've played on an app is it's not. It's not Mahjong. You've been playing <laughs> Mahjong Solitaire. <laughs> yeah. I, it's I, very I've, different. <laughs> I've never played Mahjong after watching, like, 10 seconds of them playing Mahjong, but it still works. Like, you, you know what the game... Like, you, yeah. you can follow the rhythms of what's, what the game is, even if you We're, don't we're spending rules. time talking about this because it is actually relevant to the plot. Yeah. We're not just going on a tangent here. Um, Kenji also meets Kazuma, who's a young teenager who's totally focused on his Oz account and is kind of um, anti-social. 
social with the rest of the family. Um, he just it seems to be playing on his computer. Uh, that night, Kenji receives an email with a significant math problem. Um, after a few hours of attention, he replies to the email with the solution, goes to bed. The next morning, Kenji is awoken by some of the smaller kids, like like three and four years old, um, who drag him out of bed to check his face uh, to see if it matches a news report on the TV. According to the report, Kenji is responsible for a massive cyber attack on Oz. He's a massive digital terrorist um, <laughs> who has shut down basically all of Oz. Um, so there's some mystery about this for a few minutes, but... It, I'm just going to get to the gist of it. By responding to the email he received the previous night, his Oz account was stolen by an AI called Love Machine. And the email was sent out to a, a ton of people in Oz. Anyone who replied had their account stolen. Correct answer or not. If you reply, your account gets hacked. Um, Kenji's account specifically had administrative privileges. So this is a big problem because Love Machine, the AI, has gotten into um, the administrative system and has uh, stolen hundreds of more accounts. Well, and also he gave him the right answer that was the key. He actually ultimately does oh. not get the right answer. Oh, he, he, had. he had a typo. Oh. Um, so, okay. Last so, digit was wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's unimportant. His account's stolen anyway. Um, right. And somebody gave the correct answer. Um, so using Cosma's computer, Kenji gets a guest account to try and confront Love Machine. He doesn't know it's an AI at this point. He's like, you, you can't, you know, steal people's identity. Um, but instead, Love Machine turns the entirety of the Oz system into a fighting game. Cosma uh, takes over his computer and uses his account to fight Love Machine. In Oz, Cosma is the top esports um, fighter. You know, he is yeah. he is this the kid's ultimate legend. Warrior. Yeah, and everyone's like, uh, "This kid's thirteen? What?" King Cosma. Yeah, he plays as King Cosma, and he is you know the esports champion um, of Oz. Um, so he's fighting Love Machine, and he does pretty well until he gets distracted by some of the kids in the real world. And during this distraction, Love Machine eats several more accounts, gains their abilities, then defeats Cosma in a fight, and flies off to mess with more stuff. Um, news spreads to the rest of the family, that Ken and um, Kenji is framed for the attack of on Oz. Natsuki's police officer cousin arrests Kenji. Sakuma, Kenji's co-worker, notifies him that the AI seems to be something from America um, designed for hacking, and somehow it got into Oz. Inside Oz, Love Machine starts uh, using the access it's gained from all the stolen accounts to disrupt functions all throughout Japan. Traffic lights are put out of sync, emergency alert systems are going off, um, utility systems start to fail or overload, GPS systems are getting offset. You know, they're really creating mass chaos for everybody who relies in any way on any type of technology. Any technological account is susceptible to this. Yeah, making you terrified for what the next and real terrorist attack beyond bombs going off, it's going to be the disruption of yeah. all of our uh, internet infrastructure. And perhaps the, the craziest thing, the trains stop running on time, <laughs> which in Japan is nuts. Um, so because the police officer cousin gets stuck in traffic trying to bring Kenji in, he has to go back to the house. It's, it's blocked up for like 40 miles. Um, as the chaos increases, Granny decides to take action. She, be she begins by calling her family members and giving them encouragement and instruction to focus their efforts on important matters, making sure that people stay alive, um, checking on people, and, and kind of ignoring the technology that's giving them signals and to focus on their brains, use their brains. Then she starts calling other people, dozens of leaders in high positions, individuals throughout the country, you know, governors and, and, and bureaucrats and all these people, and, you know, giving them motivation taking personal action, you know, human yeah. stuff. Well, t telling them, get your butts in gear. Yeah, yeah, like, get, get it together. Like, do your job. <laughs> stop relying on technology, and you know how to do this, right? Yeah. Think think about what you can do. Inside, uh, inside Oz, Love Machine recognizes that his chaos is becoming reorganized externally, and he tries to identify what's going on, so he looks at the phone records and identifies 
uh, Granny as his opponent in this matter. He sees that she is making the phone calls that's leading to everything going right. One of the great things about this with the technology is she's doing all this through a rotary phone. Yeah, she's just doing phone calls. It's <laughs> yeah, not, not even a no, smartphone. Not even phone calls. A rotary phone. <laughs> um, and in in the meantime, Kenji is able to use his math. I'm just going to say he uses math. I don't I don't know what he does, but he uses math. <laughs> it's his superpower. Yes. Yeah, to get access back to the admin area of Oz. And so Oz workers can now prevent the chaos from reoccurring. They can kind of start to shut things down. But Love Machine has access to hundreds of accounts um, with different areas of influence. So he's still massively um, able to make changes, but he's out of the main admin building um, to some degree. That night, Wabiske reveals that he developed the program that became Love Machine. After he developed it, he sold it to the U.S. military, and they decided to test it on Oz. So he did not unleash it on Oz, but he did create the program. Um, and he did this to get money for the family. Um, but the family doesn't accept this. They're, they're pretty pretty salty about this. Um, and <laughs> I, after I being, believe Granny grabs a spear. Yes. After, <laughs> so she threatens him. Um, and so he steals the police cousin's car and drives off. And after that altercation... Granny talks to Kenji and reveals that she knows what Natsuki is up to, but she still likes him anyway. She, you know, she considers herself a good judge of character and says, you know, you're still good. Um, in the middle of the night, Kenji is awakened by some chaos throughout the house. The dog's barking, people are running around. Everyone is rushing to Granny's room as one of the emergency responders uh, performs CPR. Within a few minutes, she is declared dead by her son, who is a doctor. And the family mourns throughout the morning. Uh, ugh, that's a rough construction, but... You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the doctor reveals that he had been monitoring Granny's medical conditions through his phone, but Love Machine must have caused an error at the medical company's location and prevented him from being alerted of her critical condition in the night. After lunch, some of the family begins converting birthday plans into bu- funeral plans, and some of the family focuses on defeating Love Machine for revenge and to prevent anyone else from dying. There's a weird separation of this. And it's um, a very gendered separation. Yeah, most of the women focus on the, the funeral plans. Most of the men decide to take revenge. And it it seems a little bit naive and stuff, but this is the movie we're in. Yeah. Um, so they start assembling materials, including a supercomputer, a massive power source, a dedicated, a dedicated government internet server, <laughs> and more in order to create a strong internet connection and be ready to um, fight Love Machine. Cosmo prepares to fight Love Machine, um, and they, they create a plan... Um, to trap Love Machine in an area of Oz. Ultimately, this plan fails. Uh, Cosma is defeated and absorbed by Love Machine. So now nobody's going to win a fight against Love Machine, um, for sure. Uh, at this point, Love Machine has over 400 million accounts. And a timer starts counting down two hours, and it indicates that Love Machine has uh, set a satellite probe to hit a nuclear reactor when the countdown hits zero. Um, and it's... And- and, and there's dozens of possible targets. Yeah, just somewhere in the world. Um, and this this satellite, if it crashes to Earth, is going to uh, create a catastrophic fallout. If it hits any nuclear reactor, that that's it. You know, that's that's the game. You know, millions of people affected. So the only solution that they can come up with is to take back the account from Love Machine that dictates the satellite's destination. That's their goal. Someone from the satellite company, they need to get their account and and change the destination. So... In helping to prepare for the funeral on the other side of the house, Natsuki finds a letter from Granny. While another family member reads it, she reaches out to Wabiske. He is the only one who can help break down Love Machine's defenses um, with, with all of the programming that he's done. And he pretends that he doesn't care about the family until she reveals that Granny has died. Upon hearing this news, he immediately returns home at dangerous speeds. And in the letter from Grammy, Granny, she outlines her hope that the family will stay together and accept Wabiske if he ever were to return. 
he makes quite the entrance back to the yes. house. <laughs> crashing the car. Um, not just crashing, tail spinning six, seven times yeah. as he drives it and just hits the brakes. Yeah. So in, in their final attempt to prevent disaster, the family forms a plan. Wabiske will break down Love Machine's defenses. Natsuki will attempt to win back as many accounts as possible by playing Hanafuda, the game we mentioned earlier, um, against Love Machine. And things seem to be going pretty well. Natsuki raises the minimum wager a number of times, so she's getting you know hundreds of accounts at a time per hand. After winning back thousands of accounts, she loses one critical hand and is left unable to make the new minimum wager, which she had raised, right? So she doesn't have enough accounts to to do it. However, Oz users from around the world begin to offer their accounts uh, into the pot against Love Machine. So they start teaming up and say, they say, you know, use my account. Um, so over 100 million accounts side with the Jinoichi family, carrying the message, please protect our family. With all of these new accounts, the game comes down to one last hand, which Natsuki wins. Love Machine is left with only two accounts, Kenji's and the account that directs the satellite. So the most critical accounts. Um, <laughs> and now Love Machine targets the satellite only at the Jinoichi family home, not at any of the nuclear reactors. Um, so still super dangerous and they will die. It's uh, uh, super petty yeah. AI. <laughs> yes. Super dangerous. Very petty. <laughs> yes. Um, YBCA does open up Love Machine's defenses to be destroyed. Um, so the Love Machine AI will be destroyed if it's defeated in Oz, but the family still needs to divert the satellite or, or evacuate. In order to divert the satellite, Kenji must do some really fast math multiple times to try to get access to the admin account and divert the satellite by a few degrees. That's the his, most that's tense math plan. I've ever seen. Yeah, that's his game plan. <laughs> um, this ultimately gives him a nosebleed as he does this crazy math in his head. Um, but he succeeds, and Cosma is able to punch Love Machine into oblivion, which is really satisfying. <laughs> um, and the satellite strikes near the home, but everyone is safe. So they are able to survive. So there's a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, the home is damaged significantly, but everyone's alive, and seems like nobody else was hurt by it. Uh, and that is kind of the end. You know, they have some some family time wrapping up, and and it's fun, but... As far as the story goes, that's that's wrapping well, things up. They have the funeral for Granny, mm-hmm. and during the during that, which is also a celebration of her life, uh, the Jinuichi family decides that Kenji and Natsuki should, should date. date. They yeah. should be together. Yeah, they, they really like him now. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and so that's the ending is when they kiss. Yeah, th- uh, this was a really interesting movie because it defies genre expectations, which oftentimes can turn you off from a story when you ha- like it matters what genre you're going into and what your expectations are for it. I didn't really know what expectations to have because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about Silver Wars going in. I knew anime that that was it, um, and then it starts. I'm like, well, this feels like a little rom commy with the mm-hmm. <laughs> the. the, the it's a uh, lifetime movie setup. Yeah, yeah, or a Hallmark movie of like, oh, come be my pretend boyfriend mm-hmm. for for this big family gathering, and then takes a hard left. Yeah, well, and actually, I remember I was double checking the runtime, and so I googled the movie just to to see what the runtime was um, to make sure I, I was having some stuff right. And the one sentence summary was like dystopian artificial intelligence. I'm like, what? <laughs> I haven't seen any of that. I, I was about 20 minutes in. I'm like, I don't know. Is this the same movie? And I like, actually double turned. Like, it's called Summer Wars. This is Summer Wars. Um, and yet it all worked really well as an experience to take this all in. And I, um, one thing that struck me is like, there's these beats that feel like they should be major climactic moments. And they just kind of happen and everything carries on, uh, you know, you know, in, in the story. So, so granny dies and like, okay, well, we're just, we're, we're carrying on. <laughs> from, from like it, it's an intense emotional moment and they give it time to breathe. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, but there's still 
like a significant portion of movie. Like that's the end of act two. Yeah. Um, and so there's this very interesting and successful blending of genres, but it also has a pace unlike any other film that I've seen. It's wonderfully paced. And that's that's one of the great things is the story just keeps moving along. Yeah, They keep it real tight. Mm -hmm. Um, and they add in things like every time there's a news broadcast, they're giving information about the satellite. So the satellite is in your head yeah. from the beginning, uh-huh. but it's never put in it's like, we're foreshadowing. Guys, pay attention. But but even like like Oz creating this dystopian wreck of Japan where everything goes wrong, like that's probably, what, 10 minutes of film yeah. time? It's yeah. it's not like the major climax of an act structure even, really. If, if mm-hmm. It's just one of the things that happens during this day. And it, 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 it references several times that like it's, it's about... Like what, thirty hours of yeah, uh, uh, is, yeah this is covered is in the film. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. There, I mean, there's two nights, so maybe maybe seventy two hours. Yeah. yeah, like three days. Yeah, it, it's a pretty tight amount of time, and it's a family reunion. These it's a family massive vacation. these massive events happen, but also like time just keeps passing, and we're we're moving on. It's not like it stops oh. to address. Everything. Also, it's a good balance between those massive events and the small intimate events with the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of alternating between those. Um, so like they are. When they are preparing to fight Love Machine uh, with all their super equipment. <laughs> yeah, like this family has an interesting history. The, one of the sons shows up with a military uh, satellite link up, and they're just like, and Kenji's just like, what exactly do you do in the military? That's classified. <laughs> yeah, he just like, smiles at him for a second. But, but he can go to the military base nearby and get a an antenna yeah. for a direct, you know, internet link. Yeah. And this is after, like, there's been... Um, a lot of, I think, deserve talk about all the strong women in the family, but there's kind of been, like, dismissive of the men, but when the men need to rise to the occasion... Yeah. They, like, they pull it together. I mean, they get the supercomputer installed. One get, of them gets a boat there that has yeah, like, he, power he source. Yeah, he gets his boat to, to power everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, a little over the top, but yeah. it's fun ridiculousness. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, one thing that did strike me, though, like, uh, and I think this makes it easier to go along with it all, as I'm saying, like, there's all this weird blend very much follows the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like when she opens the door and says, I need one of you for the weekend. I'm like, Oh, call to adventure. Here <laughs> is, here is. And, I love and then that. he's got the thresholds as he yeah. rides the train yep, into town. Uh, exactly. And he's entering the normal world and Oh, there's granny. She's a mentor. There is the <laughs> well, mentor figure that is going to be lost. Like I, I assume she was going to die. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, she's fitting the mold of the mentor that will well, be gone. Also, like you said, like passing through the gateways, but pa- when you're passing to the other world, he when he enters the gates of the compound, it's entering this past world. Yeah, it's, of, it's like this is not the modern like, world of the setting. His area of mastery that's established in like the first three minutes is the cyber world. Like yeah, he's an administrator of Oz, and yeah, math. Like that. That's what he knows. Uh, and he's uh, he's, lives, he's in a, a historical environment, you know, a uh, state, and, with a, and it's like and with a large family that he like. Not just that he doesn't know these people, he's not used to large families. Yeah, he lives a solitary life. Like, it's him and his roommate who... And and his parents work a lot. Even when they're sitting next to each other, they're talking through the computers. Yeah. Like, that Mm -hmm. is his (laughs) milieu. That's his known world. Yeah. And now he's entering this unknown world where it's like, okay, there's a dozen, dozen plus people that are all thrown together that have all these different connections, and they all have pretty bold, big personalities. That's one thing that that we should talk about as maybe a separate category, is, like, how well they do characterization in this. Because you very quickly get a sense of who the characters are visually and from their actions. Yeah, and this is a large family. Uh, it's a, it's he, like 30 people. Yeah, well, when he was developing, he said he wanted 80 different characters, and they are all distinct. Like, they all, they all, really do all, all look differently. Out. They uh, have different builds, and they 
act differently. There's the girl that's obsessed with sports. Well, it's that, her her uh, son is competing yeah, in, the, in yeah. the baseball tournament. But like she is like her identity is sports fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's always wearing a baseball shirt yeah. and she's she's cheering for her son. But there's the, the one guy that's a little too obsessed with family history. We all know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like everything has a family history tie-in. Yeah, and he's always hear. telling stories about how <laughs> yes. what, well when the samurai had the castle. <laughs> yeah. Um and yeah, and then there's um you know, there's sibling dynamics that you see and you've uh-huh. got like the three sons so they're the sons of the doctor and they're all first responders, uh-huh. right? And, and they're, they are maybe the most similar. Well, three also, guys, but like they're different still. I really loved like when he gets woken up and he's like, you're the most famous cyber terrorist in the world right now. Like your face is on the news. There are those members of the family who don't know nor care because they're not online. <laughs> yeah. Like what he's reading the newspaper and this wasn't in the newspaper this morning because it's so recent. Uh, you know, and, and she's not on her phone playing the games, but everyone who's playing the games, they're obsessed. Like Oz is down. This is the end of our yeah. world. And, but there's this whole side of the family that that hasn't even entered their awareness yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, like after Granny dies and then they have the big battle with Love Machine that they lose and Love Machine starts targets the nuclear reactors. Those, the women who were in the kitchen, yes, we they're have like, gender, what's going gendered on? Servers. Well, they come in and like, isn't this just a game? Like this, like this isn't real. They were very unaware of the yeah. stakes. Well, not yeah. just what was going unaware, on. It was surreal for them. They like they couldn't comprehend that this thing online could act, cause a bit major disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though everyone is you know engaged with it to some degree, everyone's accounts are through yeah. Oz. But there's the difference. You know, like we all know people who are very online, and there are people who are less online. Yeah. You know, and, and so you've got that dynamic going on. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like, the, the theme is them all coming together. Like, yeah. that's when, mm-hmm. when success is reached. And one thing that this made me think about a bit is um, with my kids who are at different stages, I've been more aware of, like, the idea of stakes and what matters. Because um, there are times where, like, I want to tell my daughter, this doesn't matter. <laughs> but it does. And the way she feels about it, because it matters so much to her, is the same as, like, you know, work stuff that matters that is adding all the stress to me, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm at a different stage in life. I have, I have these different things and I want to look back and say, you know what, that, that homework in fifth grade does not matter significantly. Isn't really going to carry forward, but where she's at in her life, that matters as much to her as, you know, the, the, the deadlines I have with, with work stuff matters to me right now. Mm-hmm. And I need to calibrate that idea. And in this, you see people who have all these different stakes and what matters to them in that moment. And none of them are talking to each other about it. And if they would all just have that conversation, yeah. some things would be resolved much so, sooner, but, but everything that they're worried about is all legitimate. And you understand yeah. why in the sphere that they're in, what their worldview is right now, why that is what their concern is. You just wish they'd all actually <laughs> be, have more empathy towards other people's concerns and not be dismissive towards how other people are thinking yeah. uh, and what's mattering to them at that moment. Mm-hmm. Should we should we dig into characters then? Yes, I think we've we've done you know broad themes. Let's let's dig into specifics because there are several characters that are worth talking about very specifically. I think they have really good characterization. I mean, in the intro you talked about Kenji and Natsuki and Granny. I also do want to spend some time on Cosma, okay, um, because I think he's great. I would like to open up with Granny. Okay. Um, she she dies partway through, so there's not quite as much, but she's one that. Almost immediately when you meet her, you're like, oh, that's that's a character. <laughs> that's a force. Um, she's a force in this family, and you find out she's a force in Japan. <laughs> yeah, she, she is the top of this pyramid for this family for a reason, yeah. right? And she is running things. She's in charge. She is the guiding the guiding light for uh-huh. all of them. And um, she gets the moment where, like, we're, we're told... 
the family used to be one of the most influential and is in, her husband is the one who's kind of like taken them down. Um, yeah. So they've of, had, you know, the samurai history, they've had, you know, prosperous, um, trade and, and, um, but a lot of their, their influence was kind of wasted away under her husband's watch yeah. or one generation before maybe. But, yeah. But so like, in the last few generations, they've lost a lot of the money. They maintain their estate. But. Yeah. They don't have, it's not generational wealth anymore that they yeah. have, which, yeah. which she would have grown up with generational wealth being the expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you find out like she still has all the connections like to all the political leaders, business leaders. Yeah. They're, they're all in her Rolodex. And I mean that literally is the Rolodex, not like, yeah, she, she pulls out, you know, all these, um, these like Christmas cards and everything. And they're all from high-ranking officials and, and um, business people and all that sort of stuff. And it's interesting because I would assume she's married into this mm-hmm. and assumed this role, yeah. you know, taking charge of this family. I'm not sure, but, you know. Yeah, I, like, I'm not totally sure, but I think that's... Yeah. With one know, viewing, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. But I some, love that montage of her taking Someone will correct us on Facebook. Yeah, yeah if, but, it, you know, she is the leader of this family, whether that's her, her birth role or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, is, she has become the leader of the family. Yeah, and so as a leader, she's not just a leader in the family, and she's definitely not, as a great-grandmother, the old woman type. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, she is very much in control. She has all her faculties. She is confident. Um, and she, like we have that example of her using all her connections, which is one of the moments that always gets me when I watch this, is when she starts calling everybody she knows <laughs> and gets them organized and says, you know, we need to... Go take care of lives, and, and, and we don't need the computers to do it. And they're obviously personal connections. The way she mm-hmm. talks about them, she's not sharing the same message to each one. She's talking in a different tone of voice to all of them, a different intensity, a different cadence. Some of them, she's you know asking about the family and all these things, so you can tell. Oh, she really has relationships <laughs> with these people. Yeah. I like that. There's the one where she's like, "I thought we were past that. I punched you decades ago." Yeah, <laughs> that's all yeah. we get. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, okay, so she's lived a life that has been involved mm-hmm. and we get the sense that it is a full rich life mm-hmm. that it's not just that she has friends is that she's had all these experiences and she has her family which she loves yeah she seems very content with the yeah. amount of life she's yeah, had. but she's also very connected to all families she knows all of them what they are doing um she's not going to forget their names <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which, as a parent of four children i'm impressed because uh, <laughs> i get my kids names wrong <laughs> so far well, no, I get your names wrong, but then being able to know, okay, my son does this job, his grandchildren do these jobs, and their children are at this grade. But as you say, um. And doing this in school. It's also, or like, we're made aware how savvy she is. Um, like the, the rest of the family, after, um, what, what's the main boy's name again? Uh, Kenji. Kenji gets outed as the cyber terrorist, which we know he's not. Um, like some of them, are like, I looked into his history. He's not really what, what we were told. And, it's completely made clear to us as the audience, like, Gran- Granny knew well, that he wasn't that. And she also saw to what he really was, like, what his true core uh, yeah. character was. And that's what she approved of. Not the made-up story of having like, been to America whatever, and studied. Whatever X, I'm y, being told, I don't care. Yeah, so when do they, you have what it takes to, yeah, so to do things? When they first meet, and he's introduced as her fiancé. Uh, he doesn't Gran- do a good job of covering. No, what? <laughs> Granny just straightforward asks him, like, do you have what it takes to make her happy? Yeah, or can you, you like, take care of her? Do you like? Would you be willing? Basically, like, would you be willing to die for for her? And he is very hes- like. In the contrast between her and Kenji is great because he is hesitant. He doesn't have confidence. Uh, he, after not getting the math uh, Olympics position, he thinks he's a bit of a failure. Mm-hmm. And so that contrast between them is great. But she 
says, I see your potential. And, and I know, like, I know what you are capable of, and I will support you. And I mean, like, she doesn't say that out loud, but, but all her actions. Yeah. Say and, that. and he really changes by mm-hmm. the end of the film. By the end of the film, he is kind of taking that leadership role mm-hmm. and has the confidence and the motivation and is standing up to the people that he was intimidated by. Yeah. Well, and in the good mentor role, she gives him the pep talk the day before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she just right, right before she, she dies. dies. Yeah. Uh, you know, which the mentors always have to do. Um, story structure wise, uh, where again, like what was kind of implicit becomes explicit where she's like, I know you're not really dating my granddaughter, but you're right for her. And I see who you're going to be. And so be and that I best still approve of, of you. Yeah. Be that best version of yourself. And that's, that's what we need right now. Mm-hmm. And so should we switch to talking about Kenji? Are we, are we good on Grammy? Yeah, I think so. So let's talk about Kenji. Um, de- like I said, definite change between the beginning of the film and the end of the film. At the end of the film, he has confidence in his ability to well, do the math. He has confidence to tell everyone else, I'm going to do this. You guys should probably get safe, but I'm focused. I'm, I'm not scared. Um, but I am, I am going to do this stuff. Um, whether you support me or not. And he is the one that's kind of motivating everyone to get things done. Yeah. You know, he says like, Look, we're going to have to work on this. He has, he has a line at one point, like, quitting doesn't do you any good. You have to work for your answer. And, that, like, he says that with a lot of confidence that you would not expect of him at the beginning of the film. Yeah, well, as Joe said, this is the hero's journey. So he is the one on the journey. So he has to change mm-hmm. by the end. Otherwise, this isn't going to be a satisfying story. And, and he changes significantly, but not in a way that feels unearned. Right. And like, also, it doesn't radically change him as a person. Yeah, it's like, okay, you have, you know, he's still him, but... This is the hymn that is inspired and motivated. Yeah. A lot of the characters have moments that save the day that are heroic, where they, where they do things, or we learn things about them, um, you know, that, that change our appreciation of them, but he's the one that's most transformed. Like, like for a lot of these characters is, oh, I'm learning something that other characters might have known, but because of our eyes into the world were naive or mm-hmm. un- uninformed, we're, we're discovering you've got the government connections, you, you capable of getting your boat here to, to power the computer, you yeah. have the access to the computer. So we discover those things about her, and, um, and there's the girl who wins the big game at the end, right? But we're like, she has the moment where she is the hero that saves the day. Right. Um, but that's something that, like, it doesn't feel as transformative as what we get, uh, with, um, with Kenji. Kenji from, from, from the beginning of the film to the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts that we need to address for Kenji? I mean, Kenji also, uh, he gets the most, um, for me, as an American audience, like he gets the most anime styling done on him. Like when he's yeah. when he he's has the in, intense reactions, he has the strong reactions well, where his eyes are bugging out or he's getting the nosebleed. I, I actually think the police officer cousin might be a little more extreme. It's pretty intense, but yeah. Kenji's up there. Yeah, um, where where it's like we're we're leaving a lot of the the animation style that would have been at home, like like well, not disruptive at all to American we're leaving, experiences. We're leaving the sense of realism mm-hmm. for yeah. a moment. Yeah, into, so they could do an extreme reaction. Yeah. Um, and it's done, uh, comedically, uh, m- most often with him, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where he, cause he's the one that's being put into the situations that are just so far outside his comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even in the most intense scene, you know, when he's doing the math in his head and typing in the answer, his eyes are just, you know, bugging out and, and looking yeah. in different directions and his nose is bleeding, but he's just like typing it in. You're like, what is going on? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and I don't know. Because uh, I just haven't consumed enough anime. Is that something that is often done for the protagonist more than the side characters? For the the, the, the more broad styling. There. I 
Depends. Depends yeah. on which anime yeah. you're watching. Because mm-hmm. in, in, in American storytelling, often it's the side character is going to be the broader, brighter yeah. colors and, and, you know, more Pratt Falls and stuff like that. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say that's definitely consistent. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'm good with the okay. strategy. Then let's talk a little bit about Natsuki. Mm-hmm. So she is, you know, the female lead, the the romantic partner, and and the the one that's the hero at the end of the day. You know, yeah, she is the one that, that gets all of the accounts back, uh-huh. yeah. um, which is really critical and, and and very important for the world. <laughs> well, she as um, as much as Kenji is motivating, she's that emotional center um, for the story uh, because not only is she the connection to Kenji brings him in, she's the connection to what see. Wabi skate. there is. And it, it was, That's okay to struggle with. I was on, I, I knew I was on the path, but yeah, it wasn't quite yeah. there. Uh, Wabiske, um, she's the only one that could communicate with him. Um, she's the one that brings him back entirely. Yeah, brings yeah. him back. She cracks and, the code on his phone. She, she knows him well enough yeah. that she... Uh, the, the hint for the code is birthday, and... She I, knows it means Granny's she, birthday. She know, yeah, she's the one that says, oh, that's Granny's birthday, not his birthday. Because yeah. Wabiske loves Granny. Yeah, even though he's been, uh, like we said, the, the blackest of the black sheep <laughs> yeah, in but, the family. But Granny's the one that adopted him, brought him in, and, and gave him a home. Yeah, and that little montage about Granny and him in the letter, it's mm-hmm. like, that's just a great little mini story. Like, yes. like and, you know, three minutes of screen time made you care about this character. That letter's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... As the emotional core, um, and again, we're doing the gender roles where the woman's the emotional one. Um, I think it's, uh, she can be a little bit underwritten. She's mm-hmm. not under, uh, well, not underwritten, a little underdeveloped as the character, but they do give it enough. Um, and something I really noticed this time was, uh, they do give enough to establish a real relationship with her and Kenji that they could then build on if they want to. Mm-hmm. That, uh, they have now not just an experience with together, an emotional connection, um, and they could actually date after this if they wanted to. In a way that doesn't feel like, oh, we just went through one stressful situation it's, together. Yeah, yeah. it, it seems it like they like... do have some kind of chem- chemistry. Like, even when they're just um, riding out to the countryside, she's, you know, interested in what's going on in his life. They're having good conversations. Um, and so they do have a certain amount of chemistry just inherent to the two of them. Yeah. And so, in, uh, in some ways, she also echoes Granny, not necessarily in the, that confidence, but uh, in the sense that she knows everyone in the family, can communicate with everyone, because you have Granny's daughter, the one who was mistaken as the 90-year-old, who is very matronly, and tries to control the family. But it doesn't um, really But work. she doesn't have that same yeah. presence as Granny, whereas you get the sense that Natsuki could develop into that presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she seems to be the inheritor of something. Yeah, of Granny's. family. Will not not the physical will, but of the uh, emotional will. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. The the connection point for the family to yeah. some degree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, and the, like you've mentioned a couple times, like there's the gender stuff that feels weird. Uh, or, well, I, I don't. I won't say it feels weird, but it is noticeable. It, yeah, yeah, I get, it, it, I it is gendered. Yes, and it's very noble that. Um, it's not that all the women in the kitchen, but it's only women in the kitchen. There is yeah. also the one that keeps running away to watch sports. And well, you, got, you also have the generational aspect where the older women are doing the cooking, but the younger ones might be in the kitchen, but they're not cooking. They're just eating the food. Yeah. <laughs> There's one who's just the yeah, lazy one. Yeah. She's told, you know, this would go a lot faster if you would help. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got... Um, and some of that is, I mean, I 
some of this might be cultural reflections that we're not uh-huh. super aware of and sensitive to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe weird wasn't the right word, but it's definitely notable. And I'm not quite sure what to make of it, other than it is. It was very satisfying to see them all come together mm-hmm. at the end, mm-hmm. um, where everyone is is. Uh, like it's the entire family is there to defeat Love Machine and yeah. is donating their avatars from Oz, even if they don't use them very often. Yeah, they are uh, they are contributing. Uh huh. And there's um, yeah, there's there's just a lot of mini arcs for some of these characters that that mm-hmm. you know aren't aren't going to be getting the the from the opening shot of the film to the closing shot of the film story arc, but like oh that character that character had some moments here. Well, yeah, and you've got like the the police cousin who you know changes. You know he yeah. is. He is super bombastic <laughs> in all of his reactions. Well, like there's even characters that uh, don't have much. We don't, haven't talked about. There's the son who's doing the baseball tournament. Mm-hmm. High school baseball is very big in Japan. That's mm-hmm. the yeah. uh, equivalent of you know, high school and college. Rate. It's like Texas football. Baseball. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's almost like the the main the national league mm-hmm. here. Um, that is the yeah. You know, I mean, it's being sports you watch televised properly. Um, yeah, but. Everything that's happening in his games is, are reflecting is a reflection of the story. Yeah. yeah, the announcers for the games could be announcing both the family dynamics, but also the battle with Love Machine. Yeah, at the end, it's like after fifteen <laughs> grueling in it, and innings, actually, they finally pulled it out. All right, and that brings up a question I had about this baseball. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because it's reflecting their battle with Love Machine, you have uh, two very long games going into extra innings, uh, one day after another. Would they keep the same pitcher? No, on absolutely the not. Yeah, when they talk about his pitch count, I'm like, no, there, <laughs> there's guy, no way. This guy has got to take a break. Yeah. He, he played two extra inning games back to back in the playoffs. I'm like, mm. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, cer- but, certainly not in modern baseball. Would, uh, <laughs> would that ever be done? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a little odd. Yeah. Um. So I I do want to talk about Cosma. I feel like he is. You know, there's like tiers of characters where you've got the primary characters like like Kenji and Granny, mm-hmm. and then there's like the next tier down where it's like okay, not quite the same amount, but Cosmo gets a lot of time, yeah. right? He is yeah. focused on a lot, and he gets some very intense emotional moments, and he gets a training montage. Well, he's the, <laughs> yeah, like he's the the second lead, especially within Oz. Yeah, because within Oz, he's he's one yeah, of the most important. He's leading that on um, that half of the story, mm-hmm. and he almost immediately like trusts Kenji and is on board. He's like, I see what's going on. I'm on board. I'm on your side. I'm the best fighter in the world. Also, they're both computer nerds. (laughs) Yeah. And so there's a, there's a a kinship there where initially he's standoffish, but when Kenji needs him, he's like, yeah, I got this. Also kind of, as soon as he knows that Kenji works for Oz, he's like, okay, you're okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, you do get the, like, you're you're almost set up to expect that what ends up being Natsuki's big finale uh, finale against Love Machine is going to be his, right? Yeah, because he is he is the fighter, and so you expect. I mean, we've been trained to expect action scenes and fighting scenes to be, you know, the ultimate yeah climax of the film, and and he loses, <laughs> he loses, and he he is completely out of commission. Like his avatar's out, his yeah. avatar's dead. He, he is the first person in their family to lose their avatar because he is trying to save everyone, and and that's. I mean, they set it up and they they pay it off really well for his character to have him be like, this guy is the fighter. And sometimes that's not going to be enough. But his motivations are really good for it. So initially he had been, you know, semi-defeated by Love Machine. And then everyone's talking about, you know, what are the consequences? And they establish that the the missile might hit um, a nuclear reactor. And he looks at his mom, who is pregnant. 
And he goes through a very intense, you know, emotional sequence right there where he tries to fight Love Machine one more time, even though it's completely futile. But he is like, I cannot not try to protect my family. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah well, also like the desperation. Yes. And when, when he's fighting and losing. He's like he's. You're getting the sweat falling. But, yeah, and he's, he's trying to type and type so hard, so fast, <laughs> and it's not but, working. And and you just know it's like this is not going to go well. But he is dealing with you know like his his growing up, right? He is having yeah. kind of a mini hero's journey in growing up into well, being a big brother and yeah. all that sort of oh, stuff. And one thing that I think the film does that's very interesting is um, like even during that sequence, you have the fight scene happening between the, their avatars, uh, Love mm-hmm. Machine's avatar versus Co- Co- Cosma Cosma's avatar, but. Where the editing and the tension really is, is on him typing. Like he said, yeah. he's typing really hard. Yeah. And that's where he's the, doing math. That's really where the hard. tension's coming from. And again, like the math is coming. And, and, and like the math is really hard. And, and, and he's really intense while he's scribbling with his pencil on the paper. <laughs> and the editing is done in such a way that it does build the tension, even though you have no idea what he's drawing on that paper or even what it's supposed to do once he gets uh-huh. the numbers. Like, what is the number actually going to do? I don't know. But it needs the number. They have the pacing right. And then the pacing is again, like, she's laying down a card. Boom! (laughs) Really hard. (laughs) You know, and and they're able to make it all work. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so, respect to the director and the editors uh, for for being able to do do the montages in that way. I said earlier that the moment when Granny is doing the calls is a moment that always gets to me. One that gets me more is that climax where it goes from the darkest moment that she's lost... Uh, and then, they don't have enough account, like, and she's second. I'm Spartacus. Yeah, and, she, and she is just tense. Yeah, and, the, and then, there's so much tension just sitting on her face. Like, I don't know what to do. I yeah. can't. I, then, I can't. And then there's just this one kid who comes on and says, "Use my account." And it's like and a little fluffy bunny avatar. Yeah, yeah like, it's, it's use my account. And it's like it, it's just that perfect switch of it's the darkest, deepest lows. Suddenly you're at the highest. Like, and then and everything. It's just that emotional world. I love it so much. It now, gets me every time. I will say, it reminded me, and this film came first, it reminded me of both finales of Avengers Endgame and Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> uh, and also Spartacus. Right? I mean, like, I'm going to like, throw out Rudy yeah. Um, yeah. in there when all the other players are like, he can take my spot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we've seen this beat before. It tends to work, though. So, yeah. so like, There are ways to do it well. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And this is one of the ones that does it really well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and then it's just like, oh, yes. Like, the whole world is is the family. You know, that's uh-huh. the, the kind of emphasis that they put. We all have to work together. Well, I, which has kind of been a theme throughout the thing. It's like, no, really, we all have to work together with each other if we're going to manage everything. Yeah, and I like that message a lot that uh, it's not the individual. He, uh, you see that build up, like, King Cosma can't battle Love Machine alone, so he gets his family to help him. Mm-hmm. And they nearly succeed, but things fall apart. And so the whole world needs to come together and have that hope mm-hmm. that things can be solved. Yeah. And I, that this can be, because like, if we all work together, this can be beaten. And you get the sense that everyone has been watching. It's like, are they going to win? It's like, oh, they can't win. And you you can feel like everyone giving up. And then someone thinks like, well, what if I help? Yeah. What what if I help? What if we all help? Little kid from Germany. (laughs) They're like, do you know who that is? Like, no. It looks like he's from Germany. We don't know anyone. (laughs) And then they should have this montage of all around the world. It's it's, you know, you know, a a million plus by the end. I can't remember what the final number is. Yeah, are donating their. They get like fifteen percent of the entire you know Oz users to contribute to this, and and it's like that's exactly what they need because they've seen Natsuki can win, Mm -hmm. but if she can't play, she can't win, and so everyone has to commit. 
Yeah, and I, I like you said, this is a thing that's there throughout. The the communal aspect is where the strength is, not the rugged individualism yeah. um, within this. And the the breakdown that happens is often when the individuals are, are concerned, again, like, nothing that they're concerned about is wrong. Like, worrying about the food for the funeral, that's a valid concern to have. Um, when he, when, when the, uh, the bombastic cousin moves the ice so that Granny's... <laughs> yeah. Body, yeah, have been in the room with the computer, supercomputer to, to keep, keep it from cool. Yeah, yeah, to keep it from overheating. But he's not aware of that concern. He has this concern about honoring Granny, mm-hmm. which is a valid motivation yeah. to have for his actions. Um, but they need to come together as one instead of operating in all these different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and you brought up there that the rugged individual can't do it, and that rugged individualism is Wabiske. He went to America. To, to do his own thing, thing, to get the money for yeah. the family. But, like, he was earning this money. He sold it to the military so he could kind of replenish the family's fortune. Mm-hmm. Like he but he would, wanted to do it But he own. wanted to do it on his own. And uh, he was... It's not just that he was rejected by his family, by the family. He rejected them, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Now, but also, like, each one of these individuals has things they're going to add of value yeah. to it. Yeah. You know, it's not saying individualism is bad. Because no, you need the math Cause, cause, Yeah, you, you need, need somebody who can get a supercomputer. You need someone with the internet connection. It's also when Wabiski starts coming back to, when comes back to the family and helps them that they can win. Yeah. Yes, you needed him too. Yeah. Uh, it's like, he can't do it alone, but we need all the individual and, skills. And Granny knew that. that. Granny was the one that, saying, we need to reintegrate him into the family. Yeah, yeah a, if he ever comes back, get him, get him back. <laughs> well, any final thoughts about Summer Wars, guys? I, I just really like it. Yeah. <laughs> That's my main thing. I don't know if it's available for streaming access. Um, so you might have to, you know, search around. You might have to rent it or go to your and, local library, maybe. And, you know, this is not a bad one to have in your collection. If yeah. you yeah. have DVDs or Blu-rays, go ahead and buy it. Um, so I, I acknowledge maybe not the easiest one of the things we've covered for people to get access to. But I really do think it's worthwhile. And I think it's a good message that's told well. Mm-hmm. I uh, want to take a bigger view, a little more metatextual. I'm very interested in the arc of the director Hosoda's career. Because if you look at his films as they progress, um, you can kind of arc his life as well. So his first independent work, uh, even though it was based on novels, the girl of the time, is this high school uh, friendship and romance thing. And then with Summer Wars, we're getting into family and getting a girlfriend, you know, having a relationship. Uh, and then Wolf Children... Is kind of this, is, is a slower film and it's more existential, but it's about family. So it's kind of at the point where he's like, uh, I'm married, we're going to start a family, like what, you know, all these existential ideas about that. By Beeson Boy, that is about fatherhood. And so he's probably had a child at that point and he's dealing with the idea, these things of, what does it mean to be a father? Uh, how do I handle this? And as I said with Mireille, that, that's a little too close to some of the things that actually happened as a parent. So it's like, oh, he's definitely had children at this well, point. Multiple children, right? Yeah, multiple children. This is, yeah, he's definitely gone through this himself. And so I'm partly wondering if that's going to continue on the next films. Um, it seems about every three years he gets one out, which is true for animation. So we should expect one in uh, next year. Uh, should probably be the next one. So I'm, I'm curious to see where this arc will project towards. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed this. And again, like trying to think about how do, how do you categorize this or how do you describe it? Yeah, what what genre is this in? Uh, I don't it's, know. A, it's a mishmash of a whole bunch of things, which sometimes can work and sometimes doesn't. This one definitely works. Yeah. Uh, it's successful at blending 
the romantic tropes with the sci-fi tropes with the artificial intelligence dystopia and, you know, the, the doomsday, right? You know, like, this is a sci-fi where averting the end of the world from an artificial intelligence at the end. But it's also, this is a big family that's kind of fractured and we need to pull together, guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it manages to do all of that um, in a way that didn't feel disjointed or mm. disconnected. Which well, they, is, they, they all blended together yeah. very well. And, uh one problem was either reflected in the other, or they needed to solve one problem before they could move on to the next. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for recommending this and, and getting me to watch it finally. <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows. You can go to duelinggenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Nick English who designed our logo and Scott Tofty who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to go check out episode number 184 when we talked about troll hunters or episode number 47 when we talked about while you were sleeping. And I think those recommendations capture the different genres. <laughs> <laughs> that are present. You did struggle to find what would link up with this yeah. one. Um, you can reach us by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod or at jdorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at this minute. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. Hello, everyone. <laughs> 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 well, I clear the instrument. Though. Everyone clear your throats now. All right.